Welcome back to 5D Full Disclosure. This is Aurora, and I'm doing another update on the Age of Aquarius. Um, I'm going to be talking about this a lot in the upcoming months because it is such an important shift. It is one of the most important shifts that we have had in this lifetime, and really in any lifetime. And that's simply because the consciousness has expanded. Um, so we're at the moment in time, right, where <clears throat> it's been prophesied that we would go through this ascension process. So we can never compare, you know, the now to any other time, obviously, because the present moment is always unique. It's always different. And so there's really no comparison, but we're at this stage of the ascension process where we're reaching that tipping point. Like we have, there's plenty of prophecies um, about the age of Aquarius, right? About the golden age of Aquarius. And so just as like a brief <clears throat> kind of understanding of why this is so important is many of the prophecies talked about the age of Aquarius. And it's not so much that um, Aquarius itself is the most important age necessarily. It just so happened that the age of Aquarius lined up to when we ended a 26,000 year cycle. Okay, so the 26,000 year cycle that we had previous to this was known as the Kali Yuga, aka the Dark Age. It is when we literally and figuratively had the least amount of light entering the planet, which is known as the Dark Ages, the Kali Yuga. So <clears throat> light is consciousness, right? So basically for the last 26,000 years, we were in the darkest part of the human history, right? And so when the procession of equinoxes shifted, which is what is known as these 26,000 year cycles, the procession of equinoxes shifted around 2012 and we began the age of Aquarius. Now, <clears throat> each of those ages <clears throat> only lasts about 2000, you know, to 2100 years or so. Um, meaning that in within the 26,000 year cycle, we will go through the age of every zodiac sign. But the previous age of Kali Yuga began under the age of Pisces. So we kind of refer to that entire cosmic cycle as the age of Pisces. And so because we entered the golden age, which is a new 26,000 year cycle, we began it under the age of Aquarius. So Aquarius is the most important archetype for definitely the next 2,000 years and the next 26,000 years in general. So the difference between the golden age and the Kali Yuga is the golden age is just as it sounds. It's a period of enlightenment and <clears throat> enlightenment means we are receiving more light. So again, literally and figuratively, we are receiving more light from the cosmos. So the earth shifts its tilt and its position 
we can argue about whether it's flat or round or neither here nor there, right? Um, either way, we are receiving more solar light, more cosmic light, and more consciousness light. So that's what the age of Aquarius means. That's what the golden age means. It means that we have exited the darkest part of human history and are now moving into the lightest part of human history, the enlightenment cycle. And the reason that this is so important is because this is coinciding with many cosmic cycles where we're talking about millennias, eons, right? And so the whole battle of dark and light has been going on for billions of years. And that cosmic cycle is now coming to an end. So it's not just about humanity necessarily. It's not just about earth finally exiting her dark period and humanity exiting their dark period and coming into this age of enlightenment, it is also that creation itself is ending its dark cycle, the battle of dark and light. <clears throat> so this is bigger than us, but we're experiencing this on the micro level, right? So Aquarius as an archetype is going to be very important for us. Now, the Aquarian age has been technically dawning since 2012. That was part of the Mayan prophecy. However, I feel because we have not had any, um, we still had other things that needed to play out, obviously. And so we've had about 11 years of this age of Aquarius kind of coming into focus, but it hadn't completely anchored in yet, right? Hadn't completely activated yet. My personal feeling is that when Pluto enters Aquarius, which will be January 20th of 2024, that is the official beginning. And so one of the reasons I feel that is because Pluto is one of the most powerful planets in our solar system. Now, I'm not going to go through the history of Pluto, but if you're interested, listen to my podcast about Pluto because I give the history of his archetype and why it's important, okay? And one of the reasons that this particular transit is so important is I'm going to talk about the revolutionary archetype that is Aquarius, right? Um, Aquarius is all about rebellions, revolutions, um, new paradigms. And because Pluto, Pluto did not come into our conscious awareness until 1930. And within that time, he has now been demoted as a planet as of 2006. Now, there's a lot of great astrological research out there that I agree with some of it that talks about once a planet is demoted, right? So Pluto was demoted to a dwarf planet. It's no longer considered one of the main planets. When a planet is demoted, which has happened prior in other history, um, such as the asteroid Ceres, she was once a planet and was later demoted. And it's kind of like this thing where once the planet is demoted, its effect on the consciousness starts to wane because we've chosen to make it less influential, right? We have actively said this particular archetype is now not a major influence on us, right? So because consciousness is the way it is, 
how we view things and how we decide things has an effect. So we decided in 2006, Pluto's no longer a major influence on us, right? So it was kind of like he brought in what he needed to bring in and now we're going to wane his influence out. And because Pluto was such an intense archetype, I think that we, we didn't need him for a long period of time because he is about death, rebirth. He is about, he is the Lord of the underworld. So we needed his archetype in the last hundred years because we needed all the darkness to come to light. And that's what Pluto does. He brings all darkness to light. He brings all unconsciousness to awareness. And he is a harsh teacher. Okay. He's not an easy teacher. And what Pluto teaches us is that sometimes you have to go so deeply into the dark, into the pain, into the fears, into the wounds, into the traumas so that you can shine light on them, right? And so that you can bring them to the surface and face them. And so that's harsh, right? Because it's typically he, he pulls us into those places and those spaces that we wish to avoid at all costs because it's too painful. But his purpose was to teach us how to face those things and how to turn pain into empowerment, how to transform on a cellular level, right? Pluto's all about healing generational trauma. He's all about ending generational programming, right? So he is working on a very deep level within the the DNA, pretty much. And he also teaches us that sometimes in order to birth something new, in order to rebirth, something needs to be destroyed. Something needs to be collapsed. And right, nothing can ever be truly destroyed because energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It can only be transformed or transmuted. But in the physical manifestation, things do need to collapse. Things do need to die. Things do need to um, be pulled away from us in order for that transformation to take place. So he teaches us a lot about loss and death and collapse and destruction and kind of how to see the beauty of that and to accept that that sometimes is part of the process of creation, right? And so many astrologers agree that there's about a 30-year period. Now, I think because time is speeding up and dissolving, that we don't have to think of this as so much of a linear time frame anymore. Um, But they used to say that if a planet's demoted, it takes about 30 years for that planet's influence to fully wane off, right? To fully kind of exit. So that would bring us to 2036 um, because he was demoted in 2006. Now, again, Time is dissolving. Linear time is is speeding up very rapidly because we're reaching that zero point. So either way we look at it, this, this transit that Pluto is about to enter into with Aquarius will be his final mission, okay? Because whether we're talking about all the way into 2036, which is a long way away, or we're talking about the next five years, regardless, this is his final mission, 
because even in 2036, he would still be an Aquarius. So this is his final mission. And so Aquarius rules the sign of humanity. It rules humanity and collective consciousness. So his final mission is to bring humanity back to the light, is to bring all darkness to light within humanity. And that's why this particular transit is so fucking important. Now, beyond that, there's, there's a million reasons why this is very important. But the other reason is that if we look at historical astrology, which is one of my favorite ways to understand the evolution of consciousness, right? We can look at different time periods when there were certain cosmic transits and you will see a pattern. This is why I get frustrated when people you know, think that astrology is just some woo-woo hippie shit. This is an art and it is a science. And if you look at historical astrology, you will see very identifiable patterns. When certain transits are occurring, certain events happen. That's why some people use predictive astrology. You can see the pattern that is going to play out based on how that particular transit or that particular uh, planetary movement caused a certain event the last time, right? So we can look at the last time that Pluto was in Aquarius, and that's what I'm going to talk about today, um, and how this is, this is a revolution, okay? As Pluto moves into Aquarius, this is going to be the final revolution, and it's the revolution of humanity, okay? It's, it's not... Um, it's not just niche to one country or one group of people or one area of the world. It is a revolution of consciousness. It is a revolution of humanity. And what is a revolution, right? It's typically a group of people who have been oppressed, right? And they revolt. They revolt against those who have been oppressing them right? So <clears throat> this is going to be <clears throat> a revolution of all of humanity. Taking back the power of this planet from the dark. And so the last time Pluto was in Aquarius <clears throat> was in, and specifically I would say, you know, right now we have Pluto at the very critical degree of Capricorn, 29th degree. Um, and he's been shifting back and forth between the final degrees of Capricorn and the very zero degree of Aquarius for the last eight months, right? Because back in March, he did actually move into zero degrees Aquarius for a short six-week period. Then he went back into Capricorn. Now we're officially going to enter Aquarius again in January. And next year, in the fall time, Pluto will make one final dip back into the 29th degree, but that's it. It's going to be for like four weeks, and then we're calling it quits on the Pluto and Capricorn era, right? And so when we look at this time period where Pluto was doing this very similar dance uh, over the threshold of Capricorn and Aquarius, it takes us back to 1776 and 1777. Well, what was going on in 1776 and 1777, right? 
Well, we had, most importantly, is we were in the American Revolution. Now, later into the first Pluto in Aquarius transit, right? Because Pluto officially entered Aquarius um, in 1778. But the 1776 to 1777, he was playing along that threshold just like he is now. So we will see very similar themes. Now, years later, which is still in that Pluto and Aquarius um, transit, we see the French Revolution. We saw the Haitian Revolution. So revolution is a theme of Aquarius. Now, why do I, I'm going to talk about some of the historical uh, time periods in which we've had the Pluto and Aquarius era, and also some of the other transits that we currently have, and looking back at those previous times to give us a sense of the, the vibe here, right? But one of the reasons that this particular Pluto and Aquarius transit is going to be so different, and I think so much more powerful, is because during that 1776-1777 era, Pluto was not yet discovered, right? We can now once we discover a planet and we learn its orbit and how long it takes to transit, etc., then we can map backwards, right? So we once we discovered Pluto, we were able to map backwards and see where Pluto would have been during that time, which makes sense. But like I've said, <clears throat> the discovery of a planet, pulling it into awareness, changes the game. So back then, we didn't even know about Pluto, and he still had that much influence to cause all of these revolutions, right? Now, we've been aware of Pluto since 1930, for almost 100 years. So it's going to be that much more impactful, right? It's like, once you know about something, it's different, right? It's like disclosure. <laughs> you can look back in hindsight, right? It's a great example is like, when you start learning about disclosure and truth and all of that, you're like, holy fuck, like, how did I miss that? Right? And then you look back in hindsight and you're like, oh, I can see, I can see back then how they were lying. I can see back then how they were, but you didn't know then. So you were looking at it through a different lens. Now you see clearly in hindsight, that's kind of like, that's kind of like any planetary discovery, right? You don't know until you know. And when you know, you see it through a whole different lens. So now we know. And so this is going to be a different ball game than back in 1777 when we had no fucking idea about Pluto and its archetype. Now, what's even more interesting, right, is that... In 1781, right, which would have been just a few years into the Pluto in Aquarius uh, transit of the last time, we discovered Uranus, okay? Uranus is the modern-day ruler of Aquarius. So during the last Pluto in Aquarius transit, 250 years ago, we discovered Uranus. That's interesting, right? So we discovered Uranus. They nominated him as the modern day ruler of Aquarius. And so what's interesting about that is 
<clears throat> well, first of all, it's interesting that the ruler of Aquarius was discovered during a Pluto and Aquarius transit, number one. And number two is that Uranus being named as the new modern ruler of Aquarius changed its archetype. Again, this is all consciousness-based, right? Because the previous ruler of Aquarius, before Uranus was discovered, was Saturn. Now, Saturn is the current ruler of Capricorn. And we've just been through a 15-year era of Pluto and Capricorn, okay? Saturn is all about, uh, he's a tough guy. It's all about, it's very patriarchal. It's all about working hard, dedication, consistency, effort. Um, it's all about achieving status, right? Saturn kind of wants us to work hard for a very long extended period of time in order to get the benefits, in order to get uh, the success. And so uh, Capricorn kind of takes this on as, as building this very patriarchal um, consumerism type of system where it's all about work, 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 money, 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 status, 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 achievement, ambitions, goals, hierarchy. And that, so that's what it's become. So Saturn, during the last Pluto in Aquarius transit, was still the ruler of Aquarius, right? So Aquarius back then had a little bit of a different vibe. Um, so you will see a lot of similarities between <clears throat> Capricorn and Aquarius. Now, because Capricorn represents systems and structures, we can see how its rulership of Saturn has kind of led to this uh, the design of this matrix, right? But with, but with it also used, you know, used to be the ruler of Aquarius and Aquarius rules humanity. Aquarius rules paradigms, innovation, community, connection. It's, it, it, it functions off consciousness, whereas Capricorn functions off of physical systems and structures. It's the difference between earth and air signs. So, Aquarius ruling humanity used to have this Saturn dominated rulership, which put this extreme limitation, suppression, and kind of um, heaviness onto humanity. Humanity was very restricted in what they could or could not do. There wasn't a lot of innovation. Um, communities were very structured right? We didn't have a lot of technology necessarily back then. Um, new ideas, new thoughts, right? New paradigms were not, um, wasn't a popular kind of thing, right? You had your monarchies and you had your um, hierarchies and you were not to go against that. So what's fascinating is that upon Uranus's discovery in 1781, as soon as they nominated him as the new ruler of Aquarius, Aquarius's archetype completely changed, right? Because Uranus is the ruler of rebellion. It is the ruler of revolution. Um, Uranus is about sudden change. This is not, um, he, he's, he's represented by the lightning bolt. So he can represent a few things. He can represent higher consciousness, right? Sometimes you get that aha moment, that revelation that just strikes you, right? Which completely changes 
you in an instant. When a revelation dawns on you, suddenly everything changes, right? That's kind of what awakening is. That's a Uranus element. Um, sudden change can also happen when sudden events happen, right? A sudden event occurs and all of a sudden it changes your entire life. That's a Uranus theme. Um, Uranus can also be responsible for the sudden breakdown of things, right? Like if a lightning bolt hits your house, everything's going to go down. The power, everything, right? He can cause sudden destruction as well. But Uranus is all about change in the name of evolution. Uranus is always looking for what is innovative, for what is new, for what is fresh, for what is going to expand our brains, right? Our way of thought. He wants to expand our way of doing things, of seeing things. So Aquarius's archetype has now undergone a major transition, um, you know, since its discovery in 1781. It's completely changed. So now this Pluto in Aquarius transit, that's why it's going to be so different. Because A, we now have known about Pluto for almost 100 years. So his archetype is deeply ingrained here, and this is his final mission. And two, because Aquarius as an archetype has undergone a major evolution since 1781. So we can look back at that time period and we will see certain patterns that are, of course, going to be destined to repeat themselves, but in a different way. We also have to remember Aquarius is very intertwined with technology. The amount of technology that we have, and of course there is many hidden technologies as well, but the amount of technology we currently have now changes the game, okay? If in 1776 they had, you know, uh, social media, I think this would have been a very different ball game, right? I mean, they did great considering, <laughs> you know, it's, I can only imagine how hard it might be to lead a revolution um, without technology. Now we have the technology. We have enough of the technology, right? So I'm going to talk about a few of these themes. We can get kind of the vibe of this, this new revolution, this revolution of consciousness that is happening, right? So uh, when we look at that time period, right, 1777-ish is when Pluto first started hitting into that Aquarian degree. So in the United States, we had the War of Independence, okay? So we were declaring our independence from Britain, which we never really did, but, you know, we, we did our best there. Um, but it was more optics, I think, than it was actual, which this time might be actual, um, so we were basically rebelling against Britain in the War of Independence. And what were we rebelling against? I mean, there's a lot of theories as to what the rebellion was. And a lot of it had to do with the separation of church and state, right? They didn't want to be religiously persecuted. Um, but it was also about taxes, right? It's about unfair taxes that the monarchy was siphoning from the people. So we're having those same thing themes come back around. It's the same shit. And now it's crazy because we think about it and we're like, our forefathers would have had a goddamn heart attack that they were fighting over a 3% tax. They're pouring tea into the fucking Boston Harbor. 
and now we're paying 50% in tax. They would have rolled over in their graves to know what America has become, right? And I think that that is the main question that is going to come back around again is going to be taxation and is going to be the sovereignty of the people. Um, again, the French Revolution ended up happening a few years later in 1789. So, of course, the French people also overthrew their monarchy for very similar reasons, for, for wealth and equality. Um, in 1791, we had the Bill of Rights instituted, and it wasn't until actually, I believe, the 1780-something when we officially um, instituted the Constitution, but we're going to throw that in there. We can already see how there's a lot of constitutional questions being brought about. Obviously, we're going into an election year, which is always a shit show here in the U.S. Um, our last probably five elections, six, seven elections actually, had been an absolute shit show going all the way back to the Clinton era. Um, and so we see similar themes, right? Um, and so now there's all these constitutional questions. And I think that this is going to go to an even broader sense of not only are people going to be questioning the constitution, but who's interpreting the constitution? Who is... Um, I guess, overseeing the enforcement of the Constitution, right? There's a lot of questions we should be asking. Um, ratifying the Constitution as an option. Um, maybe ratifying our government structure completely, which, of course, would be an Aquarian theme. I think, um, personally, you know, us at 5D Full Disclosure have always shared our vision of having a transitionary government, um, to coll collapse the current one and just have a transitionary one until we get stabilized and settled. And really, it would be a people-run government. You know, it would be kind of local governments of people um, coming together and counseling and, and that kind of a council, right, structure, not a hierarchical structure. Um, so that's something we may see. I think there's going to be some questions about um, the Supreme Court and the powers that we give Supreme Court justices um, and why they are given so much power to interpret the Constitution in the way that they decide. So there's a lot of questions. Um, the way that the state laws and federal laws clash. Um, so a lot of those themes will be repeating. Now, of course, a lot of the themes that emerged during that time um, was there was a lot of talk about democracy, right? That was the first institution of democracy. And because that was kind of what everybody envisioned was going to be the true way of liberty, right? And freedom was instead of monarchies and things like that to have democracy. Well, I think we're now coming to the end of quote unquote democracy um, and moving into sovereignty. We can have no... We, we just cannot have any more systems or structures of government um, in their current form. They don't work. So we have to institute sovereignty. And so I think sovereignty will be the new um, government structure, if you will. I think democracy is dead um, and sovereignty is in. And this is going to be completely based on every person as a sovereign being and without harming another can live their life exactly the way that they want to. Um, 
and we're going to have to do away with a lot of rules because Aquarius and Uranus, they are rule breakers. They do not like rules. Okay. So that's something we're also going to be seeing a lot of. Um, now, one of the things that I find super interesting is once a planet is discovered, I feel that um, when that planet finally transits into the sign it rules, that's kind of the official uh, activation of that planet. So for example, Uranus was discovered in 1781, right? We, I mentioned that. And it was assigned to be the ruler of Aquarius. However, right, I feel that until Uranus, the planet, actually transited into the sign of Aquarius, we weren't going to see that archetype unfold fully, okay? Um, that's just my, <clears throat> my feeling on how the archetypes work. So Uranus entered Aquarius in 1828, to 1835. So that was the first time that we had this new planet in the sign of its rulership. So if we look at that time period, we also get some indications of how the this archetype is operating. So during that time, we had the second great awakening. This was kind of a religious reformation, but they call it the second great awakening, which I found interesting. Um, we had a lot of insurrections. There was a lot of um, slave insurrections and rebellions. Um, in the United States, we had the debut of the Liberator newspaper, which was basically a newspaper that was um, rebelling <laughs> against the slave system and was calling for the, the abolishment of slavery and was kind of a way for uh, the slaves to communicate as well. Um, we started to see a lot of energy being pushed for equality. And that's another Aquarian element is equality. Everybody is the same. Everybody's on an equal playing field. It does not matter what the race is, what the identity is, um, what the nationality is. It doesn't matter. Everyone is on an equal playing field. So we're going to see a lot of those uh, themes emerge as well. Um, now, interestingly, one thing that did happen during this time is if you guys research uh, Andrew Jackson when he was president, he was president during that time frame, um, 1828 to 1835. And he did something a little rebellious during his presidency there. He vetoed the renewal of the Second Bank of the United States. Okay. So I believe, right, I'm not I'm not an expert, but I um I've done a lot of research on this and I'm pretty sure that I remember that we had the the Bank of the US, right? And it was a charter. And they had to keep renewing that charter, right? This is pre-establishment of the Federal Reserve, which didn't come until 1913. So we had this US bank charter. And Jackson decided to veto its renewal. He was not going to renew the charter for the U.S. bank, which in essence would have been something like a centralized bank, right? Now, this led to the bank war, and there was a banking war, which led to the panic of 1837, which is what we would, uh, uh, you know, kind of akin today to similar to 2008 in a way, right? But this was a bank run, Okay, so 2008 was a stock run, right? As soon as the panic started to hit, 
everybody pulled out, market collapsed. This was a bank run in 1837, where, of course, the question of whether or not the banks actually had the hard resources to back the money came into question. The panic started. So people started pulling out their money or their gold or whatever it was at the time, which led to, right, banks collapsing. So that's interesting because obviously we've talked a lot about that, about the banking system and, you know, changing over to something more of a quantum system. Now, I don't, I truly don't feel we're going to be in an era where we're going to have to have uh, enough physical gold to back all of this. I think that there is something to having that kind of backing, but at the same time, then we're just, we're trading our obsession with money to gold. And that's, that's still uh, dysfunctional. Um, in essence, uh, currency or money is simply numbers on a screen. And if they freely circulate, there, there's a whole myth to the fact of inflation and this and that. It, it, it's made up. It doesn't actually mean anything. Um, the fact is that if we just circulated currency freely, the market would never collapse. There would never be inflation. There would never be deflation, right? So some of the um, more interesting um, current events in terms of Uranus and Aquarius. So that was the first time Uranus entered, 1828. The second time Uranus entered was between 1995 and 2003. We had a lot happening then, right? Um, So I'm going to go through some of the major events that we saw with that last Uranus in Aquarius, which are things that we have to remember that the elites do like to use astrology to create certain events, basically to siphon the transit energy. Um, So in 1995, there was starting to be some um, nerve gas attacks, okay? And Aquarius rules the nerves. So that's interesting. So you might see scare events, um, anything to do with airborne illnesses um, or something affecting the nervous system those are Aquarian themes. So with Pluto entering Aquarius, you're going to see them trying to do those scare tactics. We don't need to fall for it, right? But Aquarius does rule those things. So we are seeing a lot of questions about things to do with air, right? Airborne illnesses, airborne toxins, things affecting the nervous system. Um, Now, interestingly, that was also uh, the year that the criminal trial of O.J. Simpson began. Again, that was a big event in in our U.S. history that brought up all these questions about race, right? Even though the trial itself wasn't about race, it was about murder, um, but it kind of brought this huge division uh, between races. So that happened as soon as Uranus entered Aquarius. Now, France at the time also exploded a nuclear device and there were some protests that ensued after. So again, 
we're going to see these similar themes. We might see threats of nuclear weapons. We might see threats of certain um, airborne type of attacks. Um, again, the galactics do have the right to intervene and they will if, if, if any of that kind of lower technology is to be used. <clears throat> now in 1996, we had a lot of things going on. We had uh, UN tribunals for war crimes in Bosnia. So again, Aquarius does have this kind of justice theme and it's more about um, not personal justice, right? Which is more of a Libra theme, but Aquarius really rules justice for humanity. So it covers things like human rights, right? Crimes against humanity. Those are all going to be themes of Pluto and Aquarius, which I'm sure we will see emerge, right? Um, the internet began to boom in 1996, right? Again, Aquarius has a huge connection to the internet. Um, they cloned the first sheep in 1996, right? Again, Aquarius rules technology. So we're going to see a lot of themes around equality, uh, the protection of humanity. Uh, we're going to see a lot of themes around rebellions and revolutions. And we're going to probably see a lot of just, uh, like I said, airborne type of things. Now, there's also probably going to be a boom in uh, galactic UFO disclosure because Aquarius also not only rules the air but rules the cosmos, our connection to the cosmos. So we wouldn't be surprised if some of those themes start emerging as well. So oh, we also had um, the outbreak of mad cow disease in Britain, right? Sound familiar? Just yesterday they were posting about, uh, you know, there's all these things going around about this, uh, what was it? It's like a a deer disease where these zombie deers and it's spreading everywhere. These are, this is the shit that you're going to see, right? Now, in 1997, we get a lot of um, things to do with uh, kind of television and just the entertainment world in general. And Aquarius does have that element. Aquarius rules pop culture, and entertainment, right? So it, it kind of rules over things that become very uh, popular in that day and age. Um, it can it can rule celebrities in a way, but it's it's sister sign of Leo. It's more about the is just celebrityism in general, whereas Aquarius is more about how that influences, right? So how culture or pop culture influences the whole, and so. We had the TV rating system debuted in 1997. Um, we had Harry Potter debut, right? That was a cultural phenomenon. So Aquarius does rule over those things. So I think we also will see a big cultural phenomenon shift with Pluto and Aquarius, meaning that I think there's going to be a death of celebrityism. So a lot of the obsession with celebrities rich people, the elites, that's going to die. And I think what's going to be very much um, new and in and popular is going to be things that are not mainstream, 
right? So kind of the things that have been on the fringe or things that have been rejected and ostracized, right? The black sheep uh, kind of vibe is now going to be what's popular. Um, so for many of you, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good thing because for most of us, we have been on the fringes, right? We've been kind of the the weirdos or the black sheep and very anti-mainstream. And so what has been outside of mainstream will now become popular. And so you're going to see this kind of flip um, where all of a sudden (laughs) what used to be mainstream now gets rejected. And so that'll be a really interesting shift too. Um, Okay, now, oh, if we go to 1998, We see that is when India started conducting um, atomic tests. Pakistan was to follow that. So there was a lot of development with technology, right? Pluto into Aquarius. Remember, Pluto brings darkness to light. So there is, I think a lot of people fear that there's going to be this continued devastating use of technology. Pluto is not going to allow that to happen. In fact, the dangers of technology is also going to be a theme moving into this new age, right? Because Pluto destroys anything that goes against creation. Anything that goes against like the organic creation, Pluto destroys. So I think we're going to see a lot of new interest coming out in the dangers of technology. We've known for a long time how 5G towers affect us, right? Microwaves, uh, harp, right? All the things they're pumping into the air. Those things are going to start becoming the focused topic. It's going to be revealed how destructive some of the technology that we are utilizing is. There's probably going to be conversations around things like cell phones and laptops, right? And, and the, the negative frequencies they emit. Um, we could start to see a lot of uh, kind of technology sickness, right? Where we have to develop technology that's not harmful to the human being. Um, we already saw yesterday or today, I think it was, where there was a Tesla robot that attacked a guy, right? We already know that AI can be a tool. It can also be a danger. So more and more of the dangers of technology are going to be coming out and collectively, we're going to have to decide either this is going to be a great tool for us or we need to get rid of it and destroy it um, and nobody is allowed to use it. So that's going to be another question coming in. Um, you know, we had Clinton uh, being accused of the sex scandal and going, you know, going through his impeachment trial. So impeachment, right, removal of someone from office is another theme of Aquarius. It's part of the revolution. It's part of the rebellion. So we're going to see a lot of those things coming in 2024. Rebellions, revolutions, people being removed from office, tribunals, right? Crimes against humanity becoming a very big focal point. Um, And so, of course, when we go into like 1999 and 2000, we also, again, have similar themes continuing. We also had, you know, the Columbine High School shooting in 1999. Um, We had and because we don't know and we can look back again in hindsight and say, 
are they utilizing lower technology, right, to hijack people? That's a possibility that might have began during this time period. Um, we had the second Woodstock of 99. Star Wars aired for the first time, right? Again, a big theme kind of happening here where we are seeing um, cultural phenomenons, things that kind of sweep all of humanity and they become a, a big influence, right? So we might see a lot of new movies, a lot of new, hopefully more higher consciousness and 5D stuff, right? Um, what else did we have? Oh, we had... Um, we had a lot of computer viruses going on in 1999, right? Remember all the Y2K hysteria, et cetera. Again, of course, we go into 2001 and we have the 9-11 event, right? Again, another air, air attack, air phenomenon. And so we had a lot of rebellions during this time. We had a lot of revolutions, um, the Iranian revolution, um, where they had a switchover of their parliament uh, in the year 2000. Uh, there was a lot of uprisings and overthrowings in different countries like Yugoslavia, um, things like that. Um, of course, in 2002, we then have entered into the Middle Eastern War. Um, so we're going to see a lot of this sort of thing, right? We had a lot of corporate scandals going on around that time as well. Enron, Tyco, uh, Quest. So this is what we're going to see, but on a very pronounced scale. That was the tip of the iceberg, that last Uranus and Aquarius transit. It was just the tip of the iceberg of what is to come when Pluto enters Aquarius. So we are in for a lot of themes, but this is truly going to be the biggest revolution of humanity that we have ever seen. And again, because we're in a, the time is now, right? The consciousness is, is much higher than it has been in the last at least couple of thousand years. Previous to that, I think we did have, um, eras where we were trying to awaken and, and get to the, to the enlightenment age, but it wasn't, we didn't make it. It didn't happen. And now with the technology that we have, um, with the ability for humanity to all connect and to all kind of gather together, I think it's going to be one of the, um, best shows that we've ever witnessed. So that's some of the updates and just what I'm feeling with the energy and the themes that are coming in um, during the next two months specifically. During the next two months, as Pluto hits that first degree and we're like settling into this transit, <laughs> um, we're going to see a lot happening and then just so much is going to unfold next year. So um, I am going to do an Age of Aquarius seminar um, on Friday and Saturday. So two-part seminar. I'm not going to be able to cover all of what I just spoke about, but we're going to cover a lot in there, specifically how it's affecting you personally, where it's transiting in your chart, as well as 
the themes that are going to be coming up and how it's going to be affecting different people, different generations, um, and all the different industries. Because I think the more we can anticipate the shift and the change, the more we can be a part of it, the more we can participate in it. So if you guys would like to join me, you can sign up on 5dfulldisclosure.org under the session and events tab. And for those of you that are joining me, I will see you then. And for the rest of you, I will be back soon with more updates. Love you all and happy new year.